0: My father would always ask, don't you have AC yet? It was actually a point of pride that Brian and I had not put it in. Most of our house was built in the mid-1800s and the overhangs and design and all the tree cover keep it cooler in the summer and retain heat in the winter. It's brilliant engineering. The high-pitched living room has a big ass fan, that's the brand name, as a ceiling fan, which circulates the air and all the windows and doors keep a really nice cross stream going. The first summers There were like, say, two to three brutal days and nights. But why put in icky air conditioning? It also felt, well, very country not to have AC. The problem is, every year these two to three brutal days became four or five. Last summer was more than a week. All the Dyson fans in the world don't solve a basic problem, especially if you're awake sweating at three in the morning. Come on, Dad would say, get air conditioning. I'll pay for it. We refused. Lenny, my dad, passed away last August. As spring showed up, the heat started to appear more consistent. We quietly researched what it would cost to say, get a unit or two. A couple hundred dollars we saw, hmm. You can order it on Amazon. Someone will install it for you, hmm. The idea started to warm on us. Last month, we narrowed units online. We measured and double measured and Brian hit the magic button, buy. I got back from a work trip on a Friday night and walked in our bedroom which was a lovely, calm, quiet, cool. We always knew that if we were to ever capitulate, to give in, to give up, to embrace the modern machine that is a Frigidaire, there was only going to be one name for this unit of total comfort. Lenny. (coughs) I'm Matt Zucker and this is City It, learning to live and love life in the Hudson Valley. Episode 22, Hot and Bothered. It's 96 degrees today, and I'm sitting in the shade in the picnic table in our garden, my favorite spot. I don't think I'll last an hour. Even inside, it's too hard to focus on a book. So I was browsing Southern Living Magazine and I spotted a quote that Southern women don't sweat. They glisten. Another saying was, it's hotter in a blister bug in a pepper patch. Which I don't know what it means, but I plan to work into conversation at work this week. The last one and probably my favorite, it's so dang hot that I just saw a hound dog chasing a rabbit and they were both walking. I'm a former copywriter, so you know I'm jealous of whoever came up with those quotes. The best I can do is Farm Fresh, which is our second City It t-shirt now available for sale on Bonfire. You can find a link in the show notes and on Cityat.com. Check out the one in Kelly Green. My childhood friend and writer Gwen Thompson has her eye on it, and so should you. The country is just so different than the city in the summer. Outdoors, the summer, The city smells and you navigate streets based on where you can find shadows and shade. On weekends, you take a train or a bus to Jones Beach. You go from crazy hot outside to freezing cold inside the Muji store, since AC is everywhere and on at full blast. Stores brag about how they don't leave their doors open, as if that was genius or generous. In the country, you have more space, but AC is more sparing. You rely more on nature, which is both good and challenging. Right after the break is my guide to summer living in two parts. One note, our friend Stephanie just introduced us to Yacht Rock, which is basically Toto Africa, Christopher Cross Sailing, and Robert Holmes' Escape Pina Colada song 24-7 on your radio. So put it on via Spotify or Sirius, find a cool place in the shade. I promise, there will be ice cream. Part one, your home itself. First, it all starts with tree cover. A lot of these new homes are out in the field, and I don't envy them. Ours has at least 20 trees surrounding it, especially a giant maple, which adds a lot of shade. What you do have to do, though, is be vigilant about cutting back branches too close to the roof. And there is a danger in a big storm, of course. Last week, a sudden um, thunder and lightning storm wrecked havoc all around us. We heard a giant snap. The power went out. The generator kicked in. And we couldn't figure out where it was until the sky cleared. Walking north on the road, we saw a giant sugar maple across the road, fell on our neighbor's luckily empty house, taking off the top of the chimney and definitely damaging the roof. Fans are the second line of defense. A big-ass fan in the living room we have, plus a a slew of smaller fans all around the house. We bought a bunch of Dysons, which were fine, and they looked really good, but they weren't really high enough off the ground, so we got some classic Vernados. I just read in Inc. Magazine that the owner of Big Ass Fans sold his company for $500 million to a venture firm. Blew me away. Get it? Now, air conditioning gives us mixed emotions. The inventor of the modern air conditioner was Willis Carrier, as in Carrier Corp. He went to Cornell like we did. In fact, on the list of famous Cornellians, he's number 20, behind Kurt Vonnegut, number one, Bill Nye the Science Guy, Tony Morrison, and Ann Coulter, sorry. But ahead of Sandy Weil, number 36, who was my dad's roommate, RGB, number 50, and Jimmy Smith's number 51. We put in that single window unit and are tempted to go full house with our force air system. We really are tempted, especially today. We've also started looking into geothermal. One company popular in New York State and on Facebook is Dandelion. The ad is about there's air conditioning in the ground, which I think is good. I had a guy come over to look at it um, and do an estimate. The way it works is kind of brilliant, he explained. It literally pulls air from the earth, cold in the summer, hot in the winter. The thing is, we learn from him, though, that we'll have to redo our spider of an HVAC, which doubles the price tag and the effort. It also requires a very specific location to drill down into the earth, which happens to be our front garden. So there's the landscaping bill and the hassle on top of that. Brian cringed. So even with the government incentives and the ability to finance it over 10 to 15 years, we're just not sure yet. Circulation though is key. You need all the doors and windows open and screens for the bugs. We rinse them before putting them on every season. What goes unsaid in the heat is how you spend your time shifts. Hikes and gardening chores are early morning. You might nap or read inside in the heat of the day. And then you'd be outside as the temperature starts to cool down. I'll be back in a minute. Part two, take care of yourself. You're thinking, what about a pool? After all, 10.4 million residences in America have their own pool. My sister and brother-in-law have a pool. Several friends have pools. Brian's parents have a pool. My father-in-law Morty says it's a delight. When you have grandchildren, he says, they love it. Friends come over and you can hang out all day. But it is an expense, he reminds me. There's upkeep to open it, close it, and keep it running for months. The only way to have total costs feel even reasonable is amortizing it by having more and more people come over and swim in your pool. Each of their swims yesterday, for example, he calculated, cost 500 a pop. Storms also can make a mess to clean up. And last month, they found a dead squirrel. I'm not sure our nieces will let them forget it. There are also town pools. Most seem to require a full summer sign-up and are designed around families with kids. We don't have kids, so peak times don't appeal to us, and we haven't done it yet. There are other options for swimming, though. For example, state parks. Lake Taconic State Park in Ankrum is just off the Taconic Parkway. It's a big lake with two man-made beaches, and you can rent paddle boats or kayaks. It's pretty impressive. There also are more secluding watering holes. In Lizaville, for example, there's public access to one of the Twin Lakes. I recommend buying water shoes so you can walk in and not be grossed out by the algae or worry about the rocks under your feet. And then there's a cool swimming hole at Bard College that goes out to the Hudson. It's hard to find. You turn off at the Tea House Gatehouse, you park near the utility station in overflow parking, and then you hike down to the Sawkill Creek, where you can muddle around, swim in a few places, go under a waterfall, or hang out on the shades on the rocks. We took Nora there yesterday. Outdoor showers are great. My sister has one of these at the beach, and I'm jealous. In the summer, I take at least two showers a day, and it would be great just to do one outside. Let's talk about what you need to have on hand. First, ice cubes. Have them ready at all times. I also like my water chilled, though Brian does not. I also drink vodka tonics, and ice is a central ingredient to both. Second is watermelon, one of the few fruits my food allergies can let me eat. My ENT, my ear, nose and throat doctor, also recommended it because it was low acidity, which for some of us is an advantage. But it really comes down to one thing, ice cream. It cools the soul and makes you happy. With a zillion dairy farms, the Hudson Valley has ice cream everywhere. In Germantown, there's Valley Harvest. In Red Hook, across from the movie theaters, is famed Holy Cow. In Elizaville, there's ice screams. And if you wanna bring ice cream home everywhere throughout the Valley, you'll find Stewart's shops, basically New York's 7-Eleven, which has great ice cream, not to mention scratch off cards. My biggest shout out though, is to newcomer here in Tivoli, Fortunes. Fortunes is right in the center of the village. I was there yesterday getting a vanilla mint chip in a gluten-free cone. I called the owner afterwards to ask him questions. Brian and his wife Lisa first met in Tivoli when they were both at Bard. Lisa bought him an ice cream machine. They moved to the city, got married, and came back up here three years ago. They saw the space next to the Hotel Tivoli and said that would make a great place for an ice cream parlor. The next week, the lease was available, and that was fate enough for them. It's also called Fortunes for a nod to a real village character who was named Fortune. So it's kind of a connection between old Tivoli to today. I asked Brian what the best-selling flavors were. He said it was the Lobney, which is a flavor they rotate the latest seasonal flavors through. The other's Golden Milk, which has turmeric, ginger, and a bunch of things I can't eat, but real people can. Grabbing my gluten-free cone of vanilla Man chip, I sat in Fortune's front yard in the 93 gray heat, chatting up some weekenders from the city who had just been to Beacon. I was uncomfortable physically, but there was no way I was stopping spiritually. I would soon be home to my own Brian, Nora, and our one unit of AC. Summer weekends are like nothing else. I'll end with a quote from Nelson Mandela about persistence, which we all need right now in more ways than one. When the water starts boiling, it is foolish to turn off the heat. City It is produced by Matt Zucker on Anchor in the insufferable heat of the Hudson Valley. Nor Ephron the dog is sitting next to me in absolutely no help. City It t-shirts are available via Bonfire and at Tivoli Mercantile. See show notes for links. We also do special orders for trailer caps, which have been quite a hit. Our pod site is at cityat.com hosted by Radio Public. The City It Facebook page is at facebook.com slash cityatlife, And our new Instagram page, City It Life, has certainly taken off. So follow City It there. Thanks for listening. Come visit